someday down the road. I think we ought to, instead of having the model, you know, I've heard this for years. People say, you know, there's the prodigal son and the model of the prodigal. Well, why don't we get the model of Jesus, who when he was 12 years old was found in his father's house talking to the preachers and teachers. I think that's a better picture we ought to strive for. But I want to read to you a passage in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. It's a familiar passage, just as our springboard to what I want to share this morning. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I've entitled the lesson this morning, The 12 Greatest Mistakes Parents Make. The 12 Greatest Mistakes Parents Make. Now, this particular verse in Proverbs 22 has been the promise verse for many a parent through the years. Especially those that have had challenging, willful, and wayward children. Now, none of us can go back and redo or even undo what we did. Oh, that we could. How many times have I wished that I could somehow call time out and say like I used to say in when we played games years ago, do-over. How many times we would like a do-over. But truth of the matter is you and I have to play the hand that was dealt us. And I recognize that when it comes to kids, there's no more sensitive subject or hot button to talk to parents about than talking to them about how they should raise and train their children. However, if the church doesn't touch on the subject, who's going to touch you on it? You know, the reason Hillary wrote It Takes a Village is not so much because the truth is in the book of taking a village to raise a kid. It's because even government recognizes that parents are abdicating their responsibilities. I was watching Fox News the other night and was just watching a piece of the uh, factor. And O'Reilly had this segment on the factor about a girl. Listen to this. The girl was kicked out of her public school high school prom because in the estimation of the public high school, her dress was not appropriate for a function like that. They flashed the dress quickly on the segment and it was like, oh my God, I'm defiled. Now think about that for just a moment. The public school sending her home. They had a segment the other day about, in the public school, kids dancing with, with sexual positions on the dance floor, and, and, and teachers walking by, not doing anything to address it. And yet at the end of the segment, whether you like O'Reilly or not, he said this, and I just went, ah, what little hair I had left, I was going for it. He said, parents are abdicating their responsibilities and they're not getting it. And I guess the schools are going to have to start teaching values. Ah! I don't want MTV teaching values. I don't want Hollywood teaching values. I don't want ABC, NBC, CBS. I don't really want Fox News either. I sure enough don't want the public school. I don't want the village teaching values in the present condition of the village. But if we don't as parents and grandparents and faithful friends and the church get involved in this thing, they will get values. It's not a question of will they get values. It's whose values will they get. And it's not about a program. Oh, yeah, yeah, we need to create a program. It's not about a program. We create programs all the time. We, we have marriage things, and, and we'll have all kinds of things. And, and the very people you want to attend, they'll have something else to do. It's not about a program. It's about getting a heart for it. It's about understanding how to network and how to access information and reading books and getting what you need to do this well. And the key word here in the book of Proverbs, to me, is the word train. Everyone say train. It's not a choo-choo train. Train. It's not yelling and it's not telling. It's training. Training means that young people don't know certain things and they must be trained. Now, I understand if you ask the average young person that the aggregate knowledge of the universe rests in them at age 16, I understand what they think. They think they've got it all together. I understand. I thought the same way. I thought that I knew everything that needed to be known when I was a young person. It's amazing to me how wiser my parents got the older I got. 
We've got to begin to see that, that they need training. Training. Training means input. It means modeling a life. It means demonstrating to them how life is to be done successfully. Now, if I stop there, can we begin to see where a problem occurs? Because if it's not getting demonstrated in our lives, if it's not being input from us, if we're living lives that are hypocritical from the things we say to the things we do, we've got an automatic problem. So obviously consistency has to come into the equation. And according to this verse, it says to me that if I don't train, then the promise that that verse gives will not come to pass. You can't claim, Proverbs 22 and 6, that in a child's old age they'll come back to know the Lord if you didn't do the first part of the verse, train a child up in the way he should go. Now, you can pray and intercede and believe, and we'll believe with you that God will bring back all family members and, and, and all children back into the kingdom of God to live all out for Him, but we got to get a hold of this, and I'm talking to some of you maybe younger parents here. You've got to understand that that verse works if you're doing your training part. Now picture a coach for a moment with an athlete and think about how a coach trains. When a coach trains an athlete, there are certainly moments of positive affirmation, good hit, nice catch. You know, you can do it. You know, it can happen, all the positive things that take place. But I don't know about you, but I grew up with some coaches that had some pretty intense guidance for me. I mean, when things weren't going right and I wasn't doing what I was told or taught to do, I mean, I had some coaches that could get my attention. They'd be in my grill. I'm not saying that every word that came out of their mouth, you know, there are some basketball words out there and football words that aren't good words. But I, they got my attention. I'm not suggesting we use those words. I'm just suggesting there was a moment that a coach, in order to train an athlete, was up in their grill making sure they understood exactly what was right and what was wrong with what was going on, and there was no discussion to it. And can I share this with you about a coach's mentality? That when a coach is doing that, he's not doing that because he hates his athlete. He's doing that because he really wants a winner. The coach wants to win. He wants you to win. He wants you to succeed. There's no coach that sends a batter to the plate and goes, I hope he strikes out. No coach that sends his quarterback into the game and says, I hope he fumbles the ball. No coach that does that. Every coach that sends a player in the game says, I want them to succeed. I want them to, to hit the ball, make the catch, shoot the bucket, make the free throw shot. Whatever it is, he wants that with all of his heart, and he's in their grill because he wants them to be a winner. Parents, we've got to train in order to cause our children to be successful and winners. I don't hate my children. I love my children. I want them to succeed. But in order to do that, we need some coaches training. And I knew no other way to do this before we can... Somewhere along the way, talk about all the, the positive ways we can do things. We've got to stop the mistakes. If we don't stop the mistakes first, how many of you know if you're going to stop a ship from sinking, you've got to plug the hole first? You can't get to your destination until you get the holes plugged. And so we're going to plug a few holes this morning. And I suspect some of you will say, I got that, I did that. Some of you will say, ah, well, I probably don't do that as well as I could. And others of you say, I, that didn't happen at all. And I want you to be teachable this morning. Hear this. This isn't, this isn't to get on your case. It's to get you to success. It, it, it isn't just to rough you up. It's, it's to get you to the place where, where, where we can be a testimony in the earth when everything else is falling apart. Someone can look somewhere and say they seem to have their act together. So let me give this to you. Twelve, twelve of the greatest mistakes. I'm going to go through this quickly. I know some of you are saying, twelve, my Lord. I'll go through it quick. Number one. One of the greatest mistakes is forgetting you hold the future. You need to write it down. Forgetting you hold the future. As a parent, you are the only one who has the ability to keep future possibilities open to your children. You're the only one. Kids live for the moment. Those are kids. Kids don't think much about what happened yesterday. Can I tell you this about kids that I've seen through the years? Kids can come to an altar, get their heart right from God, and 30 minutes later... Forget the whole thing. That's just the way kids are sometimes. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying their nature is such that they'll get by what happened yesterday pretty fast and they don't think a lot about the future. 
You are the only one that has the capacity to begin to think about what their future will look like. You are the protector of their future. Are you and how you parent setting them up for success or are you setting them up for failure in the future? Now it's true that every child has a free will. Every child will make probably some poor choices in their growing up years. And, and I'll say this, you can be a great parent, a godly person, love the Lord and a Christian, and because of freedom, children will still make poor decisions despite your best efforts. But can I tell you this as well? There are a lot of children in trouble because they didn't have moms and they didn't have dads who were shepherding their future. Kids don't do life well. They have to be trained because they were never trained for it. They kind of learn by hit and miss. And how many of you know when we live things hit and miss, there's a lot of misses. So whenever you're feeling weak as a parent, whenever you're feeling challenged, whenever you're feeling pressured, whenever you're feeling weary, I need you to keep in mind, number one, that you are shepherding their future. They may not get it, they may not understand it, they may hate you at the moment for it, but you're holding their future. And that's what you're protecting, and you got to get a hold of that. Number two, a mistake is embracing how you were raised without analysis. (laughs) What I mean by is I love my parents, and Tracy loves her parents, and I'm sure you love your folks. But can we just say out loud that all of our parents did some things right, And they did some things wrong. I need to be sure that I understand clearly in the light of God's word how to effectively parent. I have heard folks say, well, you know, that's how I was raised. I turned out fine. Let's talk about that. Maybe not as fine as you think you turned out. We've got to understand that, that moms and dads mean well. As I've become, you know, a parent and, and, and done parenting, I respect my parents all the more. Because sometimes as a parent, you're just trying to do what's right. You're doing the best you can at the moment. So I understand totally how this works. And there's a lot of guilt that can be associated with it. But there are two errors I need to tell you about that we cannot fall into. Number one is you cannot parent by reacting to everything your parents did and do the opposite. Well, bless God, my folks were just hard, 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 hard. So I'm just not, I'm going to let my kids just do what they want. You are a fool. Why would you do that? Just because your parents might not have done it right doesn't mean you just react to what they did. So remember, we can't react, but at the same time, you can't embrace. Well, my dad beat me with PVC pipes, so I guess I'll beat you too. Are you with me? It's a mistake to embrace. Just automatically embrace. I'm not saying they aren't good people. They weren't doing the best they knew how to do. But we've got to get to the place where we stop the insanity and start doing something right as under the Lord. Number three. We got to parent by... uh, The mistake is parenting by convenience rather than conviction. A lot of folks want to live life with the least possible resistance. And they like to parent that way too. And that's a mistake. Because doing what is right is not always easy. Parenting is work. I'm about ready to make a statement. I I expect it. Amen. (laughs) Parenting will wear you out. (laughs) I tell you what, I'd I'd rather go work outside with Hayward in a landscaping business. Sweating all day long. It is easier at times than, want, than being a parent. But you got to stay strong. A family ought to have some convictions. There's some standards in our family. I've looked at my children and said this. I don't care what everyone else is doing. Your last name is B-A-I-R-D. And there's an expectation and there's a standard. Does your household have some convictions? Or are you sort of this hands-off kind of parent? A parent needs to be a pillar of strength, not the reed that blows in the wind. Some kids know that all they have to do is just weary their folks out. 
We'll just keep whittling away at them. They know it. The reason they know it is because it's worked. And they whittle away and they whittle away and they just know if they whine long enough and they complain long enough and they cop an attitude long enough and they do all this thing long enough that you'll just say it's not worth it and you will give up. I'm here to tell you, just look at them and say, I am unmoved. Unmoved. I know, I know what we say. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the fuss. I ain't fighting and I ain't fussing. It ain't happening. We think somehow they always have to get it. it we like it when they get it, don't we? we? We reason with them, we talk to them, and we really want them to get it. But sometimes they don't get it. They won't get it till 20 years from that day when they're a parent looking at their own child. So you know what? Whether they get it or not, you are still the protector of what? The future. The future. Number four. Isn't this good? Number four, trying to be their friend. Can I just say this? They've got friends. They don't need two more. They need a mom and they need a dad. Don't try to recapture your lost childhood. Don't recapture your misspent youth. Can I just tell you, our society doesn't have a friend issue. It has father issues. I'm just telling you. I, and, and no one else is, we, we live in churches now that won't say this stuff anymore. And I guess I'll just say it. The reason homosexuality is the craze is because there are father issues. It's not a gene. It's a wound. It's not DNA. It's a hurt. We don't need friends. We need moms and we need dads. We live in a generation of parentless people. Women who don't know how to be moms, boys who don't know how to be dads because moms and dads don't know how to be moms and dads. I mean, I, I just am amazed. We've got commercials on the television set. You've seen it about the woman in the orange jumpsuit sitting at the table talking about how she was just trying to be a cool parent buying her kids a keg for their party. That's a commercial on television telling parents not to do that. Are we like on Mars? You think? I want to go, you think? I had an uncle. And uh, this is not the one I worked for. It was another uncle. And, and he used to take us, and we used to think, you know, of course, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, you, you, you have a warped definition of cool. And we thought he was cool because you know why? He'd get us in the truck and he'd sneak us beer. And he'd, uh, he'd tell us, I I'm not talking about just kind of dirty jokes. I mean really dirty jokes. Dirty jokes. He'd tell us bigoted, prejudiced, disgusting things. And we'd be all in there and, you know, he was, he was in his 30s and, you know, and we just think he was the coolest, coolest person in the world. You know, we're just these early teens getting to hang out with a cool uncle who did all this stuff with us. Can I just share something with you? His life is a wreck. His children's lives are a wreck. And it, but for the grace of God and some sense that hit me, I'd have been a wreck if I'd have listened to him much longer. I don't want to be my dirty old uncle. I want to be successful. And I'm just telling you, it, I don't understand how parents can do this because you're not shepherding their future. You're imprisoning them in the same dysfunctionality you're living in. So we can't be their friend. We got to be their mom and we got to be their dad. Number five, the greatest mistake is we misunderstand what true love is. Are you writing these down? I hope you are. Just get the CD, go to iTunes, email it to that person you always wanted to send this to. Just create a new email address or something. Just shoot it over to them. I know how that works, too. You know, people don't write anonymous letters anymore. They just create fake email addresses and they send you. There's a whole new wave of technology now. Misunderstanding true love. Everybody's heard the story, haven't you, of the boy and the girl in the back seat? And the boy whispers in the girl's ear, If you love me, you will. Now, 
I'm not going to go into it again except to say, do we understand that's not true love? We got that. So if you've got that, do you understand the work? It works the same with parenting. If your child starts looking at you or tugging at something in you that makes you feel like he's saying or she's saying, if you love me, you will, all you have to do is what the girl should do in the back seat with the boy, and that is just say no. 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 It really is true. We are to love the sinner but hate the sin. That is very, very true. We love people. We love people. We value people. God values people. He loves people so much he gave his son for people to be redeemed and restored and healed and made whole and and living successfully and functionally in life. And so this isn't about love, but it's the same with our kids. We can love our kids and say no. It doesn't mean I love them any less. It doesn't mean somehow I don't care. My love for them is so supreme that I want them to have a future and a destiny. I hate at times what they do, and that's okay. I can differentiate between who they are and what they do. And we can look at them and say, I love you with all my heart. But that thing you're doing right there, that's ugly. It stops. It's over. And that's true love. True love. If, if we don't have true love, let me tell you, in the church today, we've got parents who are Eli's who are letting their children do despicable things, thinking somehow they love them. That's not love. We don't understand love. Love is not letting them do what they want to do. Love is, is saying, you know what, I'm saying no today in order that I can say yes to your future Amen. and your success. I got to go on. Number six, understanding age transitions. We're going to start getting a little practical here. Twelve greatest mistakes is not understanding age transition. What do I mean by that? I mean parenting changes through the years. You have to know how to transition. There are people who treat their five-year-olds like they're 18. And they treat 18-year-olds like they're five. Now you got to understand how old your children are and, and how it is you relate and begin to parent and shepherd that particular person. You can't let a five-year-old make decisions that you wouldn't let an 18-year-old make. And yet we do exactly that. The principles always stay the same, but the applications may vary. As children get older, it is our responsibility to help them transition successfully into their adulthood. What happens is, as children's age, they slowly get more liberty. They slowly get to make more decisions for themselves. You know, a three-year-old, he doesn't get to make many decisions. Because if you let a three-year-old make decisions, that's called anarchy. He'll be into anything, everything. He doesn't know to keep his hand off the stove. He doesn't know that he can't drink the bottle of Windex. He doesn't know. So you're around him all the time. You're locking things up. You're, you know, you're, you've, got, you've got cords and fences and you know, you got electrical collar around his neck, so he'll beep if he, you know, we do anything because he's three years old. But as he gets older, we must allow them to begin to make decisions. But if as they get older and they make decisions, they make poor decisions, certainly if they knew not to make it, there's repercussion. But at the same time, you've got to train them and help them to understand how they make good decisions. If they break a trust, once trust is broken, then you go back to square one. And you rebuild trust so that they can get back to the place they were. And I will assure you, every young person will mess up, have to go back, you know, to go, and they'll have to start all over again. It's just the nature of the thing. And so you're going to have to understand that that's, and that's work. You can't say, well, praise God, they're 16, they can drive. I don't have to think about them anymore. My God! I, to this day, am amazed that my parents, I didn't live in the cell phone age. I can't imagine my child on the road without a cell phone today. But they let me do that. That's an amazing thing to me to this day. But I, I, I'm just telling you, we've got to understand how to help them transition, help them solve their mistakes, get it fixed, and then let them begin to make transitions again into successful adulthood. Number seven, I've got to hurry. A mistake is a reluctance to secure their border. A reluctance to secure their border. 
I don't know about you, I watch the news, I like watching news, and sometimes I'll turn on a little talk radio here and there, and we have this whole big thing, you know this is a whole big deal right now about securing our nation's borders. I mean, we have people out there hollering about securing our nation's borders. Now, I told you last week, I, politically, I, you know, I don't really, this year, this year is just this year. That's my opinion. But having said that, I don't know, I don't even know what you do with regards to a nation securing its borders. I'll leave that to those who can make those decisions. But what I find interesting is this. We've got people hollering about securing the nation's borders, and they don't know the first thing about securing their own household borders. You're more worried about immigrants coming across from Mexico than you are worried about what's coming in through the TV. Are you hearing me? I mean, we got people all exercised about who's this political candidate, this and this and that, and they don't, and they don't even think for a moment of what's flooding into their households. As a parent, I've got to determine what goes in and out of their life. I help my children. I don't, and you may think me weird. All I can say is, I'll put my fruit up. But Tracy and I have sat down and we have helped our children choose their friends. That's not, that's, they, they aren't autonomous in that regard. Now you say, is that the same with Clay and Tyler? No, no, no. You age transition them, help them make decisions as they're growing up to now they have liberty because now they know how to choose a friend. You see, the problem is when they get 20 and they run around with the wrong crowd is because they were never helped in choosing friends as they were growing up. And so here they are with complete liberty, absolute control, and they've got no training as to who they ought to let in their life because we didn't help them understand who they should let in their life. So we help, as our children were growing up, them choose their friends. We help them as to who they hang around at at school. We check up on that. Does it embarrass them? You bet. It's their future. I'll let them have a little embarrassment for their future. I've had people say, isn't that control? Yes. Godly control. I set curfews, bedtimes, I control television shows, I control movies, music, toys. Kaylin comes down and models all the clothes that she buys. And I'm telling you, dads, you can begin to change a generation if you'll help with daughters and with sons. I have a say in who their boyfriends and girlfriends are. I know, I just, every young person now has just said, I ain't going to his house, man. Ain't no way I'm going to live with him. Well, I, I understand. But you see, if you come live with me, I'll get you to success. Amen. I had both my, both my boys. Both my boys. Both my boys. I'll just tell you the story. They wouldn't care if I tell you. In their growing up years, they had, they had girlfriends. And this is really sad because it used to be, it used to be the guys were always the ones trying to do it. Are you with me? You ain't that way anymore. No way. No way. And they're two little girls. And uh, I'm not saying they were bad. I'm not saying all of that. I'm not saying that was even the issue. I'm just, what I'm saying is this. I'm just saying you just can't count on girls being the moral monitor anymore in relationships. I'm talking to parents with sons. And we happened to find a couple things out. I won't tell you the whole story, but we found a couple things out, and it was evident to us that they were, being, they were going down a, a pathway that was not going to help them in their future. And so we said, that relationship is done. It's done. Today, that's exactly right. It was, it was today, do it. We'll, we'll stand here as you make the phone call. I mean, that's how we work. You say, well, weren't they upset? Yes, they were upset. What about their parents, the girls' parents? Were they upset? Yes, they were very upset. Well, what did you do? I guess they'll just get over it. Because I, they're shepherding their children. I'm shepherding my children. And sure, they, they want their girls want my boys. I know they want my boys. My boys are good boys. I've, I've raised them up. Tracy's raised them up right. They know how to open doors, and they know how to treat women, and they know how to to do the things that you want men to do. They, sure, who wouldn't want my boys? But they aren't, they aren't missionary dating. 
Their future is not on the altar of somehow doing evangelism. Some of us spiritualize our rebellions. Amen. Well, I think God wants me in this relationship. God, God, God says to you right now, 1 Corinthians 15, bad company corrupts good morals. That's the word of the Lord for you. Amen. See? Don't tell me, God, God, what God, don't even go there. Don't go there. This is about the future, and you have to secure their borders. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you don't secure it, they'll let anything in. Number eight, it's kind of the same. Refusing to monitor their life. I've heard parents say this. I, they, they've heard them say, well, you know, I trust my kids explicitly. <laughs> well, you know what? I trust my kids too. What I don't trust is the carnal nature that they were all born with. That's in them. The same pulls and tugs that we all get are in them too. So what do I do? I help monitor their life. I am at times, we'll laugh this, Holy Ghost Junior. Because the Holy Ghost moves in me too. Moves in my wife. So we monitor their lives. And every now and then the Holy Ghost will quicken us to do an inspection. It's the Lord. Like, check what's on their iPod. Have you ever done an iPod check? We do. How about a history of websites? And if they know how to cleanse it, then lock it. Are you hearing me? How about their text messaging? Their TV? Their CDs in the car? I'll never forget one time. This is, and it, I, I believe my son, I was, I was in Tyler's pickup, and I'm going down the road, I was getting him an oil change or something. And you know, I don't listen to young people's music because I can't understand it. And I know there's Christian rap and all kinds, so I, I've got no bones to pick with that. But I'm kind of just bobbing down the road, and I'm telling you, it was the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, I looked up, and I saw his CD thing. And so I just pulled out one right in the middle. It was one that was burned off. Yeah, it was somebody else's. I found out later somebody had been riding in his car and had forgot to take the CD. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm no fool either. But it's the Holy Ghost. Zip that thing went in. And I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand any of the words except the F-bomb. Isn't it amazing you can't understand anything except when they say that? It's clear as a bell. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you know, hit that. I, and I said, mm, no, no, no. So I walk in. Trace and I have this conversation. We pull Tyler in. Of course, we heard the story that somehow his friend, and, and there was remorse. We made the corrections that need to be made. We did everything we needed to do. And I'll never forget, Tyler said something. Well, well I'm going to have to give that back to him. And I said, oh, no. Oh, no. This one's gone. I'm just here to, and you know why? Because I know, because I think he said something, well, I'm, you know, his parents may be mad. I said, let his parents call me. Because I'd be willing to bet, number one, is his parents don't know what's on it. And if they do know what's on it, they don't want to talk to their, their, their friends, you know, their son's friend, pastor dad, who found their son's burned off CD with that word on it. Let them call me. You got to monitor their life. People say, well, you sound, you sound like the Gestapo. No, that's what a parent looks like. It just doesn't look that way in the 21st century. See, you can't let the 21st century give you a brain cramp. We got to get a brain transplant. The Bible says we got to renew our minds again. They close the door in the house for hours at a time. You're a fool not to make a surprise inspection. You say, well, they lock it on me. Then take the lock off. I mean, this is really easy. I mean, for me, it is. And, but here, here it is. If we don't start, I'm talking to you young parents, start today. You, if you can start when they're babies, one, two, threes, fours, fives, and you can get a hold of that, you don't have to worry about a lot of these things when they're 16, 17, 18. But if you're jumping in at 16, 17, or 18, you've got a rodeo on your hands. You're going to... You, you got, it's going to be wild. Now, and I'm saying it's impossible, but you're going to have to have uh, some, some help and some fortitude in order to do that. All right, number nine. 
Refusing to enforce compliance. Refusing to enforce compliance. Everyone understands, do we not, that we live in a city and we live in a nation that has what we call law enforcement. Right? Now, who's law enforcement? Police, police, and, and the sheriff, and all those people. Anytime there is a crime, law enforcement shows up in order to deal with the crime. There is a repercussion for crime. There must be enforcement for family convictions. My neighborhood, like many of your neighborhoods probably have, have a list of covenants and restrictions. And when you buy into the neighborhood I live in, you sign a sheet that says that you'll live by the covenants and restrictions of the neighborhood. And the reason you sign the sheet is because it's for the good of everybody. It's to keep everybody's housing values up. It's to keep the neighborhood looking nice. It's to keep everything in order so everybody feels good about working and living in that particular neighborhood. And there's nothing worse than people who won't mow their lawn and people who want to park the boat in the front yard up on, you know, wood blocks, you know, and all the, and it just, it drives me personally crazy because nobody gets in there unless you sign the covenant and restrictions. And so what we have is we do the best as a neighborhood group to, to, to have someone bring an enforcement policy to the neighborhood. Now, it's a challenge. I'm glad they have it, and I don't have to do it. But there's an enforcement to that, and the reason it's enforced is not because we pick on people. It's not because we decided that whatever your house number is, you're the one that's going to get picked on today. We do it for the good of everybody in the neighborhood. Parents, we've got to enforce the standards that we expect in our household. I was listening again to a popular talk show on television, and they were talking about, believe it or not, making, and we're talking little children, go to church with you. Can you make your children go to church with you? And one of the hosts said, and I quote, you can't bully your kids to church. They need to decide on their own. Ah! No way! We enforce school. We enforce job. We would enforce, some, you know, some of you, you want them to pay bills and do other things, you enforce it. By God's grace, they should be enforced to be in the house of God. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because this is the only sane place in the earth nowadays. Hey, if you're going to discipline them, don't take church away from them. Take, take school away from them for a while. They'll say amen to that too. But don't take them out of the house of God. I've had people say, I'm going to teach them a lesson. They aren't going on the youth trip where they'll get their lives right. And, you know, they'll seek God and be in an atmosphere of prayer. We're going to discipline them. We're not going to let them go and hear preaching every night for a week. No, no, no. They're going to stay here and be up in their room with the door closed watching that cruddy stuff on TV. But we're going to, we're going to show them a lesson. Are you hearing how stupid that sounds? I want to read something to you real quick. I'm having a way good time. <laughs> Proverbs 20, 30. I want to read this. Just because people oftentimes ask me this question. Proverbs 20, verse 30 says this. It says, blows that hurt. Now the writer's talking about spanking. It says, blows that hurt cleanse away evil. As do stripes the inner depths of the heart. You know what the Bible says this? The Bible says, and again, there's, I'm not talking about abuse. Don't misunderstand me. There, there's, there's a method, a correct method to corporal punishment. Nobody's, nobody's suggesting abuse. My wife had issues. I've had issues. I understand that parents can go over the line. We're not talking abuse. We're just talking about appropriate spanking. There's a reason God made that padded right there. The Bible says... It says it cleanses away evil. If you've ever watched, I've watched my children through the years. I haven't had to spank them a lot, really, not much at all. But I, I can remember the time or two that I've had to, what we call, whip them. I mean, I've spanked them, and it'll cleanse evil. How many, how many times have you heard children say, I just wanted to get it over with? Once it was over with, I would be fine. You know what? Because intuitively, they knew that, that spanking would cleanse evil. It cleanses it. I understand. I understand in the 21st century, everybody thinks I'm an archaic nut. Well, I'm not the one living like nuts out there. Proverbs 29, 15, it says, the rod and rebuke give wisdom. Hallelujah. That old uh, 
kitchen spoon. It's wisdom. Amen. Okay, when they get older, you can't whoop them. You've got to learn to take things away. You've got to learn the repercussions. Are you with me? Amen. All right, I'll go on now. Spanking's a tender subject. No pun intended. Number 10. Number 10, not being consistent in application. You can't let your hormones, you can't let your work schedule, you can't let exhaustion, frustration, you can't let your feelings of endearment circumvent your consistency. What was wrong today is wrong next week. You got to make sure you're defining all the expectations. And let me just say this to husbands and wives, you've got to bring a united front. The instant, the kids can smell division. The instant they smell it, they got you. And sometimes you've got to uphold something that you may not totally agree with, but you've got to find a way, uh, preferably before discipline takes place, that you guys can be a united front and you can look at each other and say, we're on the same page in this regard and this is how the hammer comes down here. So you've got to be consistent in application. Number 11, I'm almost done. Number 11, the greatest mistake parents make is neglecting to teach manners. People have said to me, they said, well, where's manners in the Bible? You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 5 says this, love is not rude. There's manners right there. We live in a rude generation. Listen to this, holding doors open for women or the elderly. How about learning how to just shake a hand right? Not interrupting adult speaking. Being on time to things. Saying yes, sir, no, ma'am, or just yes, instead of what? <laughs> How about not eating until someone prays? How about not talking in services? I remember when Clay was four years old, we were starting to teach him how to sit in church at four years old. It was evening service and we were beginning to train him. In one service, I took him out four times and I didn't keep him out, I brought him back. We had to go in and out four times. It was only one service because we would go out, I'd apply discipline, we would come back. He would do it again, we would go out, but we were on the back row, we did, you know, we weren't going to just interrupt everything. I'll never forget the last time it came from Clay, this story, when we're walking out and he hollers out, y'all pray for me. He literally said that. But they got to learn. How about please? Please. Thank you. How about excuse me, may I? How about any protocol or etiquette issues? I mean, what about picking things? Like noses and teeth and, and I'll just stop there. I'm just saying manners. Do you think they get this? on their own somewhere? No, 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 no. We've got to teach manners. You've got to enforce manners. How will a generation stand? The Bible says that there'll be a generation that stands before kings and princes. That's the prophecy. A generation that will stand in the, in the courtyards of royalty. How are we going to send a generation into that when they're picking their nose? Oh, you're the king? Hey, dude, what's the lowdown? Are you training them? Or worse yet, they're in, the, they're in the courtyard and they burp. Oh, excuse me. That's the Wendy's. Are you training them? Training them. And finally, number 12. The greatest mistake we make is not training them in the care of themselves. You would, you'd say, you're preaching on this stuff? Yep. I sure am. Because you see, I grew up and somebody had to teach me how to take care of a car. Somebody had to teach me how to do general maintenance around a house. Somebody had to show me that cutting the grass was something I was going to have to do for the rest of my life as long as I owned a home. You know what's interesting? My mom, when I was in the teenage years, taught me how to iron. She taught me how to wash. She taught me how to cook. And she taught me how to clean. And when she did it, I'll never forget her looking at me saying, whoever your wife is, she's going to get you in better shape than I got your dad. 
So we got to train. We've got to train that they don't know. They don't know how to do it. They watch, they watch these, these reality shows of people who've got a gajillion dollars and they've got maids and butlers and servants and, 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 and family that just gathers around them because they have a gajillion dollars and they do all the work and they just sit there and, and just sort of live life thinking that the glasses make their way to the dishwasher on their own. Thinking somehow the ones in the sink somehow get cleaned by themselves. Somehow that the toilet just gets, it gets clean somehow and not corroded over. They have to learn these things. Come on now, they got to learn, they got to learn, you got to teach them. How do they dress to church? How do they dress, how do they dress for a job interview? How are they going to learn this? Do you understand right now, parents, we are, we are, we are training them whether we know it or not for their first job interview. Do we know how to send them there? Do they know that they ought to take a shower, especially when they're in their teenage years, every day? Have they been taught what deodorant does? Do you ask them, have you brushed your teeth? Do they know the use of aftershave and perfume? I know we're laughing, you wouldn't think this, but you, you ought to just hang around church in a public building sometime. And see how people treat a public building. Do they know when to open and close the toilet lid? How about flushing a toilet? How about going to the toilet? How about hitting the toilet? I'm getting in the flesh here. Do they know what soap is in the shower? How about shaving both boys and girls? Personal hygiene, come on now. Parenting, we're, we're, we're parenting for the future. If they go into their job interview smelling like a bum, is it their fault or did you train them? I'm going to do this and I'm done. I'm hot now, I'm done. This was, this was years ago, some of you knew the story, when Tyler had his vehicle, he called me one night late at night, he's on the interstate, and he said, Dad, my engine's making this really funny noise, and uh, it's just not right, and I had an inkling by what he was telling me what was going on, and he brought it home, and what I thought happened had happened, that the oil had run out or had burned out of the, the engine, and he literally had seized it. He'd, 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 he'd broken uh, rings and cracked a piston and did something to the head. And, you know, I don't even know an engine, but I knew enough to know it wasn't cheap. And the first thing I was, I was mad. Man, I was just mad. You know, because that's, that's big dollar. In fact, it ended up being over $3,000. That was the best way it could be fixed. And I was just mad, and I, just, I was mad, and, and I was steaming. And he was getting home that night, and I was, I was steaming. I know you can't even picture that probably, but I mean, I was, I was, and Tracy could see it. She, she could see I'd hit in the zone. And, and, and she said to me at that particular moment, she said, I understand you're mad, but my question is this. Had you taught him to check his oil? Had you taught him what it meant to maintain this vehicle? Don't you hate it when your wives are Right? Truth of the matter is, I hadn't. And I'm sitting there going, no, 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 I didn't. She goes, well, it's really not fair then. Because I was going through, you know, he's going to owe me for the rest of his life. I mean, he, I was, I was going to charge him interest on this thing. I mean, I had it, I had it calculated down that he, he was going to learn a lesson. She goes, it's not him that needs to learn the lesson. And so what I had to do is I just said, when he came in, I said, son, I'm sorry it happened. I am a little upset, but truth of the matter is, I didn't teach you this. So it's not entirely your fault. I can't blame you for not knowing because I never told you to go check it out. I didn't tell you anything. It just, it just happened. And so I had to take it to the engine shop. I paid over $3,000 and, and I, he felt bad about it. 
and he learned a lesson and of course I obviously paying $3,000 learned a great lesson from that but can I just share this with you moms and dads listen to me blowing an engine and paying $3,000 is a small price compared to blowing a life because $3,000 isn't going to cover a life that's blown and right now we as parents are training our kids for future job interviews we're training them for their relationships my daughter's the last one in my house and I am hoping somewhere out there there is a, a, a set of parents who are training a young man to be her husband because we are doing our best to train a daughter to be a wife we're training them for their marriages we're training them for their spiritual life we're training them for absolutely everything they're going to face. We are training them for that. And my question is this. Are we setting them up for success or are we setting them up for failure? I'm not here to heap more guilt on you. Believe me, as a parent, there have been more times than I can count that I say to myself, Oh, I wish I could go back and do that again. Why can't I have a do-over on that one? I can't and you can't, but we can today say, You know what? To the extent I have opportunity to do it, I can begin to implement where I need to. And we can begin to make changes. If we're grandparents, we can slip kids CDs and discs and books. And, and we, don't have to get, we don't have to jump into their lives and tell them what to do. But we can, we can help them and just say, hey, learn, learn from some mistakes. Listen to somebody who made a few along the way. We can turn this thing around, but it isn't going to happen in the public school. You hear me? It isn't going to happen out there on Dr. Phil and Oprah and all these places. I'm t it ain't going to happen there. It's going to happen when we get in here. And we get God back into that equation. Causing us to be successful again as parents. That's the most successful thing. You know, whether or not you have lots of money and houses and land. Whether or not there's, there's lots of influence. And I don't know who all, what, 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 how you would define success in your world. But the greatest success you and I can have is when we release a generation into their future and they are designed to win somebody's got to do that I want success as much as the next person but I'm here to tell you the greatest thing we can do if we want to change a world is let's change the next generation I want to do that amen stand with me will you amen here's what I'm gonna do this morning if, if, if you're a parent, you're a grandparent, I don't know how this would affect you right now, but I'm going to pray right now for an anointing to come. The Bible says in 1 John 2.27 that there's an anointing for all things. And I believe that there's got to be an anointing to parent. There's got to be an anointing to shepherd. It's not that we're just mom and dad. We are shepherds. We're the first. Do you understand, mom, dad? We're the first pastors they're ever going to meet. We're the first spiritual moms and dads they're ever going to meet. Before they ever meet me or whoever their future pastor may be, pastors, whoever that may be, they, they come in contact with the priest of the home. And we need an anointing to do this. This is our ministry area. It's not just our job, dads. It's not just, it's not just hanging out and doing the marketplace. It's getting in the hunt in the household and getting an anointing. It's, it's an important 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 job it's so important that the last prophecy of the old testament says that god will send the spirit of elijah in the earth he will send a prophetic spirit just like the one you've heard this morning that will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers that's why you need a prophetic voice it's to turn your heart there are kids here on the front row and on the sides i want your heart to be turned toward your parents they may not be the best, but you need to honor them. If you don't have great ones, then find some good spiritual parents. But, but take it from me. Learn now so you don't have to pay later. And moms and dads, come on. We can do this. We can do this. We can shepherd the next generation. So if that's you, I don't know, you may be grandparents today. You may be a single person that's an aunt or an uncle. But you've got great influence into young people's lives. You just say right now, I've got, I've got young people, children, 
at my disposal that I can, I can work with and, and deal with. I, I need an anointing to help me in this area. Right now, this is what I'm going to pray for an anointing. And one has already slipped out, so I guess I'll take that as God. You slip out. I'm not, I'm not pounding you. I'm not saying you've done bad. You've probably done a lot of things right. But you need an anointing to do this well. I'm telling you, if it weren't for this woman who God has anointed in our household, God knows, God knows where we would be with our children. I thank God that Tracy carries an anointing in this area. But there's an anointing for this. And I want you, I don't care, single, grandparent, aunt, uncle, but you're just saying, I need an anointing in this area. I need an anointing. I want you to be anointed. The anointing breaks the yoke. It breaks the burden. We need God's anointing to parent. Hallelujah. Congregation, you extend your hands toward the altars of the church. Those of you that are at the altars, lift your hands like an open cup before the Lord. Would you do that? Father, I ask you now in Jesus' name that you would release an anointing upon these people. Lord, our heart's cry is that there would be an anointing. There would be a favor. There would be, Lord, a, just a distinguishable touch on our life to begin to parent uh, well, appropriately. Lord, help us to get that anointing that causes us to be shepherds of the future. Help us to see with eyes right now, Lord, what our children and those children we influence cannot see. Help us, Lord, to see their future success, that the decisions and the guidance and the direction that's coming out of us at this very moment is determining to some extent their future victories. Oh God, that's serious business. So we take it serious before you today and say, Lord, pour out the oil. Holy Spirit, pour out upon these people, these parents, and Lord, energize them. Endue them with power for this task. Lord, let them not be weary in well-doing. Lord, let them not be exhausted. I break frustration off them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I break the, the feelings of failure in the name of Jesus. Off them right now. Lord, we're living in the most exceedingly fierce days that have ever existed. And the Bible says that it would be a difficult, difficult time. Lord, you've got to give an anointing of an even greater measure for us to do well. And we believe you will, and you are, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give us wisdom. The Word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth abundantly. Send wisdom into these parents' circumstances and situations. Lord, for the ones that have young children, I thank you that they're at the front end, and they can do a lot of things right now that can spare them a lot of pain. Lord, I especially pray for those who may have teenagers right now. Lord, and they're in a, a fight. It's a season where, where, they're, where their children are becoming adults. And they're not quite there, but they're not quite kids anymore either. They're in that in-between time. Lord, I pray that you would help those parents. And Lord, that you would soften the hearts of the children to receive from parents in the name of Jesus. That their words, Lord, would be, would be, would be words that would be powerful. Words that would be, be helpful words that would get them in the right direction and let there be understanding that comes again to the, to the houses that are represented here. Lord, let that anointing come. Let that anointing come. I want everyone that's gathered here, I want you just before the Lord, just say, Lord, anoint me. <laughs> come on now, cry out. you need to cry out for an anointing. Come on. You need to say, Lord, I need, I need anointing. You see, you can begin to sense the presence of God. Come on, I, I'm praying right now that you'll never have... My prayer is you won't have to spank because there'll be an anointing that will assist you. But here's the key. If the anointing won't break the yoke, sometimes a little touch on the hiney will. So, so I understand. Nobody's abusing. Nobody's, nobody's unrighteously hurting. But we're going to get serious about shepherding our kids to the future. Thank you, Lord. It's stirring right now. Now just say it's done. Come on now, it's done. It's done. Come on, God's not withholding this. He wants you to succeed. God's not wanting you to fail in this area. He's wanting you to succeed in this area. He really does. And listen, don't be afraid to ask. Ask, ask somebody. Ask someone who's got a few that seem to have gotten them down the road. And what you're going to find out is a lot of the things you face, somebody else has faced. 
a lot of the challenges and situations you're in, somebody else has been into. It doesn't mean it's you as a parent. It may mean it's that old carnal nature. And we just got to learn that that has to be dealt with. And it's love. Can you understand? That's love. The same way God calls us to come and die and to yield and to give up our agendas and to be teachable. And the Bible says that he chastises us and he disciplines us. And God does that not because he hates us. He does it because he loves us. And I know you love your kids. And believe it or not, I love your kids. I really do. I'd love to see just all of them be a remarkable success. No greater testimony to God, to you, and to what we're trying to do. But we got to get in the hunt. So Lord, I pray right now that you would seal this work. I thank you, Lord, for the openness, the good spirit. I thank you, Lord, for victory. I thank you, Lord, that right now we can declare the end from the beginning according to your word and say there's victory in the camp. Our children will hit destiny. They shall serve the Lord. Hallelujah. They'll marry righteous men and women. Thank you, Lord. They'll have good jobs, a bright future. Blessings upon blessings shall overtake them. We declare it to be so in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's everybody, let's give the Lord a great big hand clap. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor Noah, great job, man. All right, no youth tonight. Be with your dads. Pastor Noah Kelly, you did great. Where's Christy? Christy, you did great. Denise, you did great. And young people, you did great. You did great. So make sure, make sure you, you, you affirm all those folk. But I'm going to let you go. Enjoy your afternoon and enjoy it with family. And you are released. God bless you. See you in the middle of the week.